Hello and welcome to another edition of the 13th Hour Podcast. This is episode number 436 and you're my host Joshua Blum. And today I welcome back my brother to talk about the 2018 rendition of Robin Hood. Now this one I mainly picked because there is some unique archery in this particular film and we really get into it in the uh, in the course of the episode so I won't talk about it here. But suffice to say, if you're an archery practitioner or if you're a fan of someone named Lars Anderson, uh, then you will recognize aspects of it in this particular film. Um, and if you're a member of the Patreon, uh, you can check out a sort of like a extension of this particular podcast, which goes through some of the archery techniques shown in the film. So check it out over there on Patreon under 13th Hour Arts and... Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you guys in the future. Jeremy, welcome back to the 13th Hour Podcast. I am here. I, I come from the land of Robin of Loxley himself. That's right. Yes. That's right. What a segue. I didn't even think of that. Yes, We're I am. About Robin Hood from 2018, and Jeremy is in is, is a lot closer proximity to Sherwood Forest than I certainly am. Yeah, and merry old England. I, I would like to go to Sherwood Forest at some point. I uh I did a little investigation earlier this morning, and I found that the forest is much smaller now than it was in Robin Hood's day because of cities being built around it, whatever. But yeah. it is, uh, it is like um, it's it's like a historic wood of uh, the UK, and you can still go there and uh, go on all of these Robin Hood themed walks and do these tourist festivals and stuff like that which would be fun they have a big like robin hood uh it's like a renaissance fair sort of deal at some point in the year and i yeah. feel like that would be pretty fun to go to that would be but, cool yeah but yeah it's much smaller now than it was uh back in the day oh it's called a royal forest yeah that's what it is a royal forest a, uh, um and it's protected by the government and of course now it's important because it's like hey this is a big cultural heritage sort of place yeah that's good uh, so there, I, I there, there is a Nottingham though. I think yes, right? there isn't. There's a Nottingham. Uh, Nottingham is uh, it's a pretty decently sized city, not too far from Sherwood Forest. One of my exes actually went to the University of Nottingham. Yeah, one of my exes from Hong Kong. Yeah, she studied abroad in the University of Nottingham, and so yeah, that's that's it's got like a statue of Robin Hood in the town square or something like that. It's supposed to be pretty nice. It's up north a little bit, a couple hours away. I'd like to go there at some point. Yeah. Gotcha. Is you can you take a church? So Jeremy, you're in London. You've been in London for a little bit. Uh, can you yeah. take a train from London to not to, to Nottingham? Yeah, the train is. Uh, let's see. I'm looking up now. Yes, I can take a train. Uh, one hour fifty nine minutes. So two hours. Oh, not bad yeah. at all. Yeah. Two hours. It costs da, 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 da. on a weekday. It costs like twenty five pounds. <laughs> on a weekend, it costs forty pounds. Uh -huh. Yeah, which is like twenty five pounds, like what, thirty two dollars, something like thirty three dollars, something like that. And then weekend is like it's like sixty seventy bucks or something. So it's not bad at all. Yeah, that would be an interesting trip at some point. So it, it's interesting in this particular movie. So we're talking about this this another remake of of the Robin Hood legend. Sherwood Forest features a little bit, but Nottingham seems to be its own little enclave of the of uh of england and uh it's kind of interesting how they portrayed that in this particular movie but i guess we'll get there so this was a this was a movie that i saw a trailer for uh a number of months ago i i, I was at a flea market actually and uh or actually the farmer's market in my town 
has a little flea market section and they had these people selling like basically like junk sellers and they're selling stuff, uh, random things every, every week. And one person was selling like these second run movies. There was like four for four for a dollar. And so I picked up a bunch of them and I had never heard of most of these movies, but a number of them were, were actually fairly entertaining. And the trail, the trailer for like the previews for one of them, there was a trailer for uh, like, it was, it was in this one, Robin in 2018. And I, I remember seeing, uh, a lot of archery techniques being shown that I had not seen in a movie before. And it felt to me like, is that kind of what I what I think it is? And then a number of years back, there was a an archer, a Danish archer named Lars Anderson, who shook up the archery community, which tends to be a little bit stodgy <laughs> in many ways. Yeah, I, I did some, I, I was on the archery Reddit and I did see quite a yeah. lot of hate directed towards Lars Anderson. Yeah, so he's a guy who, for whatever, you know, I, I think you can say what you will about him, but he's very skilled. And he claims that he's discovered some forgotten ways of, of shooting a bow that people do not utilize anymore. So you can debate that from here until the end of the world but a lot of his techniques were used or i was like i saw the trailer i was like that's lars anderson stuff mm. and it turns out he was actually you know part of the part of the movie in terms of training the the actors and stuff like that but i didn't know that at the time i was like okay even if the movie's total ass because it kind of looked like the trailer kind of made it look like you know uh, something of that ilk i was like all right let's let's give it a try let's see mm -hmm. so anyway here we are yeah yeah i i what what did you think of this film in general so i expected to come in thinking it was it was you know a, you know a shit fest i i i was i read the reviews beforehand and i usually will read a little bit just to get a sense like is w what this is about and that kind of stuff but I have to say, I usually take them with a grain of salt. And with this one, they, I, you know, when you look at the stuff on, say, like IMDb or whatever, it doesn't give you a broad range of things first. It just shows you either what's most just like most recent or what's what people kind of like like the most or whatever. So it's just all hate. And so I was like, okay, well, the movie may in fact suck, but I mean, it's got archery in there of an interesting variety, and there's not too many movies that show that. So I'm, I'm gonna watch it anyway. I actually was quite I was quite pleasantly surprised. I actually quite liked it uh, in various ways. That's good. That's good. I I viewed it as a archery in a Hong Kong action style. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. I I mean, I I um not being an archer myself and uh getting an appreciation for the films archery after you showed me the Lars Anderson videos. Like I I like the action scenes. It's got a couple good um moments that really show off you know the the archery that they uh, internalized for this film it's got um it's got some very interesting visuals i quite liked the blend between contemporary yeah. fashion and uh historical right. um, accuracy a lot yeah. of people hated that i liked it i thought visually the movie is very interesting it it cuz like it takes place in I wouldn't necessarily even say medieval England it takes place in a, in a, in a fantasized uh, England uh, that takes inspiration from the Robin Hood tales, but everyone is sort of wearing contemporary clothes, right. lots of contemporary jackets and coats and dresses. And, and it, it kind of, I mean, it has, a, it has a 
almost like a steampunky fantasy veneer right. to it, except yeah. everyone's still using bows, whether long bows and short bows, or like Gatling gun bows, which <laughs> are pretty cool. Um, and I think that visual style was a was a neat combination. There, there's also a whole bit bunch of inspiration taken from like recent revolutions across the world like you know occupy wall street or like right. know, the, the arab spring or like the, the the protests in france and hong kong like robin hood wears like a hood he's got right. like you know like a right. mask over his face like everyone at the end of the movie takes up that same sort of attire and like is throwing yeah. molotov cocktails and stuff like that and that that's pretty cool i think the movie does does deal with those like themes of revolution on a very surface level and i think um it's I would probably sum it up as as a good airplane movie in my yeah. eyes. Like yeah, yeah, it, it was, yeah. it's a very good airplane movie. I don't know if it's a great movie for just people looking for something to watch when they're not on a plane because the script I felt was pretty weak and there was there was a lot of scenes that just felt like the actors were kind of going through the motions and there wasn't much characterization behind the uh you know the the the, right. the, the um characters that they were playing. Um, but you know, it's it's a six out of ten movie in my eyes. I think it, it's like a solid uh, six out of ten, not quite six point five, I think. And if I were feeling grouchy, I might put it at like five point five territory. But I think the uh, the the visuals and the archery are probably the standout of the movie for me. Yeah, yeah, I think they blew their budget on that stuff. And then when it came to the the. Di- the dialogue and stuff like that there was that those some of those parts were a little difficult it reminds me this movie reminds me a lot of uh, i don't know if you i don't know if the last time you saw the movie top gun you know 1986 you know top yeah i have i haven't watched like the original top i haven't seen the new top gun and i haven't watched the original top gun since i was like five or right. six like i so, need to watch it again yeah but, i mean it's 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 I, I i do as well it's one of those films that it gets remembered for a, 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 a bunch of key things like the music and the action sequences and all that kind of stuff like that. Rightfully so. And those parts are good. So the stuff in the air is great. The stuff on the ground is God awful. Like it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's so cringy and the dialogue is awkward and everything like that. And so I think people forget about that, or at least that was my, that was my take on it. I have to rewatch it, I guess. But um, this movie kind of reminded me of that, where the parts that are good are actually pretty good, and then 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 other parts are like, uh, what what happened there? What, yeah, I mean, the what's characters, going on with the dialogue? Yeah, the, the dialogue is not great. The characters aren't that interesting. And I think this movie suffered a little bit from it. It feels like a superhero origin story movie, yeah. and there's so yeah. many of those out now. Right. Like they really want to be like this is robin hood year one like he goes to sherwood forest and he has his like merry men assembled at the end you're gonna be like okay this could easily start like the robin hood cinematic universe and it's funny because there was a king author movie that came out around the same time this is released a king author movie developed by guy ritchie um that also looks the exact it's like the exact same treatment it's like contemporary king author and you know you can imagine that oh just like how marvel has their thing we're gonna have like the robin hood movie and the king author movie there's gonna be a crossover at some point even though they i think they, they existed at completely different historical points in history, but let's not, let's never mind that. And then, oh, that does well. We could branch off. We could do like, a, you know, like a, like a Julius Caesar movie. We could do like a, like a Cleopatra movie. Like we could do all these things, all these, all these historical folktale figures are in public domain. Like, let's try to mash them together. Like it, I don't know if that was the plan, but if I were an exec working at who oh, yeah, yeah. Lionsgate, oh God, like I would immediately go for it. 
Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know if you heard about the Dark Universe. The Dark Universe was Universal Studios' attempt to create a shared cinematic universe based on all the monster properties they own, like Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, uh, blah, 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 blah. Actually, they did that way back in the 30s. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, why, why, yeah, the Universal. They did that, they, they did that way back in the 30s. So like Frankenstein versus Dracula versus yeah. the Wolfman or whatever. But because of the popularity of Marvel movies, like six, seven, eight years ago, I forget when it was, they wanted to do it again and push the idea that this okay. is a shared cinematic universe. So yeah. they released they released a trailer. The first movie was supposed to be Dracula Untold, which was like Dracula as Vlad the Impaler, like historical film but based on yeah. Dracula. That flopped. So they were like, no, forget that. That's not going to be the first movie starting out. And they waited another year, and then they released The Mummy starring Tom Cruise. Like a new mummy movie not like the brandon fraser ones from the 2000s yes there's a mummy movie starring tom cruise where it's where it's a female mummy we could watch that one it's not bad honestly it's it's similar to this and the funniest thing about that movie is the original version of the trailer that was released on youtube lacked any music it's just sound the sound levels and the sound levels were messed up too so there's a scene where like tom cruise's character and the love interest were like sucked out of an airplane and it's just them screaming like like that's all you hear and then uh so it became like a meme and a viral thing because of that and then the movie was released it did not do very well they completely canceled the plans for the dark universe and so this movie to me feels like oh we could have done like the robin hood like king ancient kings of britain cinematic universe but because this did not do well it's we're never going to see that so i think when viewed yeah. in that lens this feels like a horribly like cynical like money grubbing kind of project um and that that was probably not the intent but i think that's how a lot of people who were up to date on current films of the time uh they probably walked into this movie and immediately got that impression and we're like, well, yeah. I will say, I will say that watching this movie kind of a few years removed from that era, even though Superhero Madness is still continuing, like I feel it a little bit less. And that's probably yeah. why I was able to enjoy it a little bit uh, more. Interesting. OK, uh, that, that's well, that's an interesting context. Yeah, thanks for that. I, you know, I haven't seen most of the superhero movies, so I I sort of know vaguely what you're talking about, but I've avoided them for the very reason for what you're talking about, because I. Yeah, it's you it's. Know, when viewed yeah. in that lens in rapid succession, I mean, you know, Marvel's done a good thing of combining their universe together and making things cross over. But now we're getting to the point where it's like comic book bullshit, like dead yeah. characters are coming back and like there's like things are getting rebooted and stuff. And, yeah. you know, in the comics, that's bad enough. And now you're bringing it to the cinema and, you know, it is what it is. Like they'll continue right. to ju juice that stuff until they make money. This feels like an attempt to maybe start a similar thing, but. You know, we're not getting it because uh, I don't think it. Interesting. I, I think it. I think it only uh, grossed uh, like eighty eighty six million dollars, and it cost a hundred million to. Yeah, I imagine it would have been expensive to make. I mean, it just would have been. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's an interesting point about you know. So this was two thousand eighteen, because it was because it's 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 not overtly political, but it is kind of political because it it does talk a lot about. Uh, there are a lot of parallels to, you know, things that are happening around the world and and so it's not hard to kind of view it in that lens because i thought one interesting thing is like in the in the sort of the beginning of it it shows robin you know in the crew as a soldier in the crusades right so i i thought that scene was very interesting because it's shot like a modern war movie right exactly it's and yes. they're using bows instead of rifles and they're right. also doing it in an urban setting which i mean it may have been but who knows i mean but um the way they're kind of going in and out of the little alleys and uh kind of ducking for cover is shot like 
you know, like a modern war kind of film. Yeah, it's got they, like they, it's they got have like, like an a, Afghanistan. Yeah, it's got like an Afghanistan war feel to right. it, and there's like snipers on the rooftop with like Gatling yeah. guns and stuff, and they're yeah. all wearing these vests that look like bulletproof vests. Right, right. I, 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 and it's got like the grainy filter on it that it wears right. things like brown and stuff, right. and and putting aside the fact that I think uh, it's probably not great that the Middle East that is like how it's always represented in yeah. in Hollywood movies as like this ground uh, this brown place for people to shoot themselves on right um, i thought it was interesting that the movie chose to do that and did it quite well in my opinion i thought i thought they did I, there was a question, couple of questions i had about that i wanted to look i have the movie here and i wanted to kind of cycle back to see what they where it was supposed to be cuz did you catch where where they said it was i do not. I yeah. I could. I could check. I have my copy of the film here. I could look. It's they, they call it. It's in Arabia somewhere, which could mean anything. The Crusades were fought around Jerusalem, so I, oh, that's, know, I, that was my impression. That we're talking basically uh, Kebrit Peninsula, Arabia. Where is that? Oh, the Kebrit. That's the um. They. That's just the term for like the Arabian Peninsula, I guess. Kebrit Peninsula. I've never heard of that term. I think I think it's like a made-up term. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know. So I, I guess one of the the big questions that I had it was that I mean, Kebra is the name of a place in Iran. So I could, you know, it could be related to that. I'm not sure. So yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I, I mean, I feel like where they would have been probably would like sort of modern day Israel, the Gaza Strip, that whole area. But so interestingly enough. This movie has um, Little John as uh, Ar- Arabian, former Arabian warrior from that region. He's supposed so, to be a he's supposed to be a Moor, but the Moors were not really located in that particular part of the world. I think. Well, um, so I was actually doing some reading on this because I was confused because so in you know the the Kevin Costner Robin Hood right? Do you yeah, the Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It has uh, I've Morgan never, Freeman. I've, yeah, I've never actually watched that, but it has Morgan Freeman in it. Yeah, we, we actually watched it when you were little. You may not remember, but you actually yeah, saw yeah, it when you were pretty young when it came out. Um, and so, in that particular film, it's a similar type of story where Robin Hood is a, a lord, and then he goes to the Crusades, and then he comes back with a buddy. In this case, it's Morgan Freeman, who's Who's a who's a cast is just a moor, and, and it always seemed to be a little bit like, how did that? Happen? I mean, like it always, I always thought of that it was like Northern Africa, you know, like uh, like areas like Morocco, maybe, maybe Egypt, but I, I don't know, like you know, they, they kind of bend the bend history a little bit for a story, but they they do the same thing here, and uh, and it's uh, Jamie Fox who's the uh, who's the character. Um, who who has an anglicized name of John, and uh, he's cast in a similar role. I was trying to figure out like why did they why why not make him like a like an, a Middle Eastern looking guy? Like maybe they just wanted Jamie Fox for the film or whatever. And figured I think it could be any so, way to do it, but yeah, I think more so. Mora has kind of become just the go to term for when you want to have a black person or some right. you know, an, an Arab person, a black or brown person in uh, something from this period. Like that's yeah. an easy way. That's an easy way to explain it. Um, and I think more is kind of a catch-all term for anyone from the Middle East. Even though I think it's mainly it was mainly used to describe I think the Muslims that lived 
in, in places like Sicily and Malta, um, and I'm looking it up now, the Iberian Peninsula, which is um, part of Spain and includes a small part of France, as well as like the, the, the Gibraltar and, and Andorra, places like that. So it, it's sort of a sticky term in that it doesn't really describe who it's meant to describe. But I think in this particular case, they made a little John a black dude and they wanted uh, Jamie Foxx for the star power and they got him. And I think there has been a tradition in Robin Hood films since the 80s, I believe, to have Robin Hood with like a more buddy that he met during the Crusades. Really? A lot of, yeah, a lot of Robin Hood adaptations. I think it might have been a series that started it. Or no, I think there was a 1991 British movie that might have started it. Um, because Robin Hood is traditionally depicted as some sort of like he's either a lord or he's like a soldier that went to the Crusades or sometimes he's just supporting um who is it like King Richard I think it's King Richard yeah uh, it doesn't factor into this movie at all it's not mentioned not, yeah so usually um uh, it's one of those three depictions of Robin Hood and I think in this case they went with the Robin Hood a soldier in in the Crusades which they paint to be like you know the the, the wars in Afghanistan the Gulf War Afghanistan like yeah. war on terror like stuff like that. And he comes back with his ethnic friend, little John, which is his ethnic friend who teaches who teaches him how to be cool, which is like right, which, which is, is problematic is, in itself, which, is, which yeah. is problematic and not a trope yeah. I really like. And I was really afraid they were going to kill little John off in that one scene in the end where he gets surrounded by bad dudes, but he didn't die, which is good because yeah. I was like, oh, it's the, the, they get the black guy to train the white guy, now they're going to kill the black guy. Like, it's like I, I I hate those sorts of things, but they yeah. didn't do it. Um, and little John, I will say this for Jamie Foxx. I don't know what the hell type of accent he's trying to do. <laughs> like he is, yeah, he's, it's... Talking to, he's talking all types of ways in this movie. Um, and I think he was personally kind of miscast. Like I, I do not know why he was put in this role. Cause I don't think he's that great as, um, he says his name is uh, Yakya, which, and, and that can apparently be translated into John in uh, English and, to me, that felt like, a, oh, I realized it halfway through the movie. I was like, John, John, John. I was like, oh, he's supposed to be he's little been, John. Yeah. Oh, and it just felt to me like one of those, I don't know. Like yeah. super, superhero movies do a lot of these things where it's like, oh, who's this guy? The newspapers have called him the Riddler because he leaves questions behind. It's like, come on. Like, you, you got to explain stuff in that roundabout way. Just make his name be John or or choose a completely different character. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so I it was weird. Like I, I was like, okay, why, why, why not cast? There's, there's plenty of Middle Eastern actors out there. Why not just get someone like that and make it consistent? And so I was trying to. I was initially wondering whether they, they, they were fighting in like Northern Africa, which might have made a kind of sense. Although I was looking actually, um, I was reading about this. I guess as you were saying, like the like that Morris term, which I imagine is probably maybe derogatory now, but I mean, I don't know. Like that kind of got used as a term for just anybody who is darker skin. Like, you know, yeah. But how, I mean, there, but even, even, was... if, even if you were going to go with like history and say, like, how did you could say, like, okay, how did someone who, who looks like they're from like sub Saharan Africa end up in, say, you know, like the Middle East Peninsula? I mean, I guess I could see it could happen. I mean, I, you know, whatever. I mean, there, there, there was trade between yeah. between the areas. If if the movie had really wanted to do some world building, they could have showed more of that. Yeah. Um. Because it's obviously it's obvious that like England or Nottingham, as it's show, depicted in the movie, is is a fairly diverse place. There are black people there. There are people of color there. It, it's not like all white people. Yeah. Yet 
um, when they're fighting in the whatever peninsula it's called, they're like, "Oh, these savages! We got to kill them!" And and his right. So his his commander, I think, the dude that plays his evil commander, guy of Gisborne, guy of Gisborne, um, who is the guy that kills Robin Hood in the actual stories. Is he? I, I yeah, don't, the, in the actual. Oh, actually, maybe he's not the guy that kills Robin Hood. He's an assassin who attempts to kill Robin Hood. I yeah. think in the actual stories. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but yeah, so I just thought that was interesting, but it has a very, like that whole moment in, in the, the, the crusades at the beginning of the film, it really feels like call of duty or like, yeah, you know, one of these popular right. games. And, and I just, I mean, so it's part of my new job as uh, I, you know, as a guy's writer at rock, paper, shotgun, I yeah. have to cover call of duty, modern warfare three, which is the latest call of duty game, which is, I don't know how much you know about the franchise, Josh. It's not it's really first, first person shooter, military type stuff. It it's you you run around maps and you shoot people. Um and it it really feels like this movie was taking from from, from the vibe of those games where it's all in like tight tight corridors, tight maps, like you're fighting on a, a whole bunch of countries that have been destabilized by <laughs> Western powers throughout history. I mean, the yeah. entire Call of Duty franchise is is glorifying like the US, the UK military pretty much. Like that that, that that's what it is. And yeah. um it's kind of ridiculous to play it knowing that and to see how far that influence has leaked into popular culture. Cause it just felt to me like like okay, they're on a map in like Call of Duty game and they've got bows instead of guns. And then I was thinking that would actually be a really cool idea for a video game. Yeah. I would love to, I would love to see a first person game that emphasized archery instead of just gunplay. And that kind of sums up a lot of my feelings on this movie in general. Like I probably would have liked it more as a video game. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I thought it's interesting that, that, that uh, they, they went in that direction. They, like I said, it, 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 it's like, it has these under political undertones where they, they kind of went, uh, they kind of went like the, the more cynical route in that, like the people in uh, the, the, I guess the government in Nottingham, which seems to be its own little enclave or entity. Um, it's by the church, like, I think. It's like yeah. It's kind of like, funneling money you know to the enemy uh under the under the table basically um yes. and to, to fund this war they're going to fund this war because it's going to actually make them money yes so the it's, yeah that. it's like it's like nottingham is the united states and like <laughs> they're, they're funneling money to israel to yeah. like to, to maintain an attack dog in the middle east like i yeah, don't know it's like exactly that, that sort of thing yeah um uh. but this was also happening like uh, so 2018, I mean, it was, you know, in the Trump presidency. And so like, I think like the, the, the political undertones, I mean, are, I think are, are there. Right. Yeah. It's Trump presidency. Uh, I think Brexit had not like the Brexit had occurred. The Brexit vote had occurred like maybe yeah. like a year, year beforehand. And yeah. I think the movie was first conceptualized in 20, maybe 2017 or 2015, like even before, earlier. Yeah. So they, yeah, that probably influenced a lot of stuff. Yeah. It it has a it has a bit of like it has a sort of a post is it postmodern I don't know post post postmodern I'm not really sure but it's it's sort of a, a a slightly more cynical take on on the Robin Hood post a postmodern deconstruction of Robin yeah, Hood for the modern era there you go that, that that that's what it tries to be I don't think it necessarily succeeds like I no, think it's no, all, no, but I mean, I think it it's... tackles it tackles these themes with about the uh, the depth of like a a a a a, a, a tweet thread like that that's pretty right yeah. So the real reason for um, for actually my watching the the film, uh, the uh, the archery part of it. So what do you think? Just, yeah, 
Well, so so interestingly, so they 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 don't do a bad job, I think, in in showing like some of these things that are you know obviously none of us are there. So when we when people make claims this is historical or not or whatever, you know, to some degree that's sort of bullshit because I mean we're just going by records and stuff like that, and uh, and hearsay. You know, you have to you do have to take it with a grain of salt, right? Um, but so they show like the English archers. They're using um, long bows and the traditional sort of English draw, which uh, people tend to uh, hold the bow. Uh, if you're a right-handed person, you hold it in your left hand and you draw the bow, the bow back with your dominant side, with your with your right side, and you tend to use your fingers curled around the uh, the the uh, the bowstring. And the bows are really big, you know, like six feet long, and then they're basically straight. It's like a straight curved line. And then they show the Arab archers with shorter, curvier bows, and uh, they 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 show. I don't know if they necessarily do a great job of showing this, but they 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 show a slightly different way of drawing the bow. In the course of the movie, the little John character is basically saying like, "Your traditional English ways of doing this are not fast enough. I'm going to show you a uh, a faster and maybe more efficient way of shooting." The way they chose to do that, I think, was a little bit cringe. And then they that uh, little John says, shoot like, me, shoot me. It's like, yeah, he does that. And he also says, like, you need a street weapon. And he and he and he gives him his like Arab horse style bow. And it's like, OK, you know, like it would have been funny if it's like you need a street weapon. He gives Robin Hood a gun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, OK, way, way to go for like the the cultural, you know, stereotypes that are not positive. But yeah anyway um so i mean if you look at those shorter recurve style bows they're shorter because they were designed for horseback and the the kind of draw that many people use in the in areas of eastern europe and the middle east and asia is 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 very different and so it uses you pull back the bow with your thumb because the the bows are smaller and the angle that the string makes is more acute and if you use your fingers your fingers tend to get pinched there the because you're on horseback the bows you know they bounce around a lot and so you need a method to kind of get the arrow to stay on 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 the bow before you release it and so they have just a totally different way of doing it um using the thumb and uh putting the arrow on the opposite side the thumb side of the bow than the traditional english way of doing it and then so anyway lars anderson is this danish guy who came around and said like well actually maybe it's not quite as clear cut as that maybe maybe people did there was more mismatch and uh, sharing of uh, different ideas than we thought. The Little John character teaches Robin Hood another way of doing it, mm-hmm. which um, which I thought was just interesting that they that they included in this movie. And you can't see it that well except for a couple scenes where there's mm-hmm. it's done kind of in slow motion. What uh, what Robin learns is that he learns to to kind of hold the bow in uh, to draw the bow in a slightly different way also with his fingers, but he uses his index finger to kind of press on the arrow to keep it on uh, on the bow itself. So I actually, um, because a lot of this is visual, I actually made a little video that shows kind of how to do this. Oh, nice. include... awesome. So if you're on the Patreon, you'll you'll get that. Awesome. Uh, it'll show kind of like how, what the differences are. But I guess for you, Jeremy, I probably could actually do this. I probably should have brought sign up in here. Sign up, sign up to the 13th hour Patreon. Shame yeah. Like I guess, like you know, if you if you hold like the the, the like the English way is kind of like this, where you would like pull the bow back like this. And right. what I'm doing is I'm, I'm I have a pen right here. And I'm gripping it with my fingers like this. But so that means that you're using you don't really have any fingers free to do anything else. 
But what the, the method that Lars showed and uh, is demonstrated in the film is you actually use your uh, lower three fingers, like your, your pinky, your index finger, and your middle finger to hold the string. Oh, okay. And now you have your thumb and your index finger that are free. And this, this index finger can press basically on the arrow to keep it in place, but it can also hold something else. Oh, okay. Interesting. So that's the that's the origin of the holding the the arrows in the hand method that showed in this movie. I would have appreciated more of a rundown of that from the little John character in the movie because you really only get a few lines of dialogue. This is a street weapon; you need to hold it this way. And then we don't really we get a training montage of Robin doing his thing, but we don't really see the difference there. And I think to a casual audience that doesn't know anything about archery, it's like, okay, they gave him a smaller bow and now he's like better and faster. And so, like... yeah, these are like little subtleties that if you do archery, you'll pick up. So when you use the traditional way, like what you, it's a little bit slower because you have the bow here. Here's my camera. You have the bow here and you basically have to reach around your hand to put the arrow on the, on the, on the correct side. And what they do show in the movie is, is is actually accurate in that if you put it on the other side, if you put it on the th on the thumb side, then uh, it is a little bit faster to just you just plop the arrow on. And if you use the the method that's shown there, the arrow will not fall off. the The reason that uh, the um, uh, like people in Asia, like if you look at archery in Korea, in Japan, in in China. Um, and in lots of parts of the Middle East um, was developed that way is because they're on horseback and they're shooting from horses, which are bouncing around. And then, so you need a small tight bow and you need something that's going to lock the arrow in place as you're kind of doing, you know, bouncing around like this. Mm -hmm. So the traditional, traditional English draw or the Mediterranean sort of way of doing it is just not as fast. And the arrow tends to bounce around more. And so it's uh, it's not like you can't do that. If you look at people like, you know, Native Americans and stuff like that, they have their own ways of doing it. And they're a little bit different. So every culture has their own slightly different way of holding the bow and drawing it. So it's like when people say like, well, this is the right way and this is the wrong way and everything else is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you have to look around the world and realize that people, this is not a, a unique thing to to one particular group. Like people have been using bows and arrows for a really long time and they all have their yeah. own ways of doing it and as long as it works that's fine i mean and, this is the stuff that i would love to see in like a video game with an emphasis around archery like a shooter with with that really gets in depth about archery i don't know if there's such a thing that exists maybe there's like an indie game that's done it but something that shows yeah you know the, these call of duty games have like a bunch of different soldiers fighting with different guns and so it's made the general public very aware on like oh difference between like you know an smg you know an assault rifle handling like aiming and stuff like that why right. not have something where you have many different bows from across the world and you just do like some deathmatch style game that actually incorporates some of these interesting things about bows that people sure. outside outside of the archery hobby do not really know about um I would have loved to have more of an in-depth discussion on that in the movie because I think in the movie, like a lot of this was probably lost on the general public that yeah, you know, so. was yeah. not on, uh, you know, any of the archery forums was not actually practicing archery themselves because you know there's been a lot of <laughs> there's been a lot of archers in these superhero type movies lately. There's Hawkeye yeah. in the Avengers movies. There's a uh, Green Arrow on the TV show. You know who even uses the same name as Robin Hood in this movie? He calls himself the Hood for like yeah. the first couple seasons. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's just like medieval Green Arrow. 
uh, which is in, in reality Green Arrow is like contemporary Robin Hood, but um, and I think like there's been so much bow play in recent movies. The Hunger Games too is another right. pop popular franchise with bows that people don't really understand. It, it, people aren't really going to understand why he's suddenly shooting faster with the new bow that he gets from Little John, and yeah. why he's suddenly able to do things like spin around and shoot someone quickly in a corridor, do that thing where he holds like three arrows in his right. hands, which which Lars does on his videos, right? Um, yeah. And, I think we're just like, oh, that's impossible to do in real life. That's like a movie thing. But he can, Lars has proven that people, you can do it, especially with this style of shooting. It's just not, yeah. it's not common. Yeah. Um, and and so I, I thought we could actually, we could actually, it's a little bit easier to actually watch this. So I can share my screen and we can actually watch that that scene and we can, we can watch it kind of slowly and I can kind of point it out some aspects of it. So let me just sure. um that's it'll this will depend on how well this works but let me just see if this will work so you should see this part right here Make it fun. you've killed hundreds of us so this is that cringy part where What's one more okay. little john is asking robin hood to uh to shoot him yeah it's like a typical so if montage. I, I i paused it right here if you see in the the way he's holding the bow this is the traditional like the more like traditional way the arrow is on the index finger side of the of the bow mm -hmm. right uh it's it's resting on his hand so that's the other thing too is that generally when i will shoot i will wear a glove or something on my on my hand because as the arrow passes over your hand unless it's been wrapped properly your hand will get cut on the fletching. It's many times people would wear something on the top of their hand to actually pr uh, protect their hand a bit, so a glove or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and he's also drawing the bow back with his, in this case, his right hand. He's probably right-handed, and he's using his uh, index finger, middle finger, and his ring finger. And so that's that's the traditional way most people are taught. Uh, sort of around, you know, in in the U.S. and most Western cultures, if you go to a camp. And you learn archery, you're probably gonna be taught this method. If you go to an archery club or whatever, you'll probably be taught this method. And and a lot of the English like pictures and stuff like that from this time would would show this either this draw or a two-finger draw, where the the index finger and the middle finger were were the only ones that were used to pull back the bow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think of the few the few times I've actually done archery, I've used a two-finger draw. Yeah. And so shoot me. And so you can see right here, I just pause it to, to load the bow. Basically, you have to plop the arrow around the, the bow itself and then on top of on top of it so it doesn't fall off. Um, Too slow. Fast as you can. Again, come on, English. Yeah, he's reloading now. And then Jamie Foxx is blocking all of his shots. Right. The staff, and he catches uh, the last arrow in the staff. Little John has just broken the tip of the arrow. Ah, uh, yes, he gives him a street weapon. Not yeah. a gun. Which, which has, interestingly enough, on the grip has a pair of like knuckle dusters over the, over the, <laughs> over the grip. Interesting. Yeah, I did not notice that the first time I watched yeah. it. It's firewood. Like a grip. Allow the bow to rest in your palm. Now try. I do like Robin Hood's expression, or, or Tegan e Egerton's expression as he plays Robin Hood when he's holding the bow. He's like, "Oh, damn, it's a nice bow." Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, so uh, 
interesting the, those bows that were typically used like the traditional english longbow was basically a piece of hardwood usually you uh you would um and uh, so you can use a lot of different things but usually a hardwood like maple or oak or yew is used or hickory and it's not really treated or done there's nothing necessarily specific that's done with it a lot of modern ones will, will have the have layers that are laminated and th stuff like that but this was usually just a traditional tapered uh, piece of wood uh, the ones that he's showing are actually a lot more complicated. So they'd be typically layers of uh, of wood that are sort of laminated and glued together, and uh, or they would be heat treated in such a way so that they would be bent. So you'd have to steam the wood and then bend it into a certain way. And then when you when you add more curves to the bow, you you essentially can make the bow shorter um, because you're essentially compressing the spring, so to speak. And so you'll see a lot of these curves built into the bow to add extra tension in already when, when the bow is already strung. And then when you pull it back, obviously that's increased. And so you will get a, uh, a powerful bow in a very short package, whereas the long bow used um, long limbs to achieve the same thing. So the other th the criticism that I think that a lot of people have of the Lars Anderson way of speed shooting is that if you're using something that was traditionally used for war, it would be a very, very heavy poundage to pull back. And you would not be able to shoot as quickly, you know, with something like that. And if you watch people who do this kind of stuff, uh, they, they, they have to put their whole body into it. So it's not a very fast process. And the archers of the time, in contrast to what are shown in this movie, were probably used more as kind of like artillery where they would hold the bow up and then they would shoot a whole volley of arrows to pick off, you know, soldiers before, and then they would charge and then, you know, they would be hand to hand kind of stuff like that. So it, it's probably was a little bit different than shown in this movie, at least from what we know. But uh, it, that that is different than the way it was done in Asia and other places where the bow was kind of just it was probably used more like a, a modern day rifle, you know, projectile kind of weapon where it was sort of the central thing. Yes, there were swords and all the kind of stuff like that. But people would use it in a more of a primary sort of thing as opposed to secondary artillery. Yeah, which is what Robin Hood learns to do. And right. He sort of just basically, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so he, this he part... has he has no like melee weapon throughout the film. It's just it's just using his bow. Right, exactly. Which is <laughs> which is a little bit interesting that that uh they took that that stance, right? But yeah. It will save you a second on the reel. So here they're showing like him putting it on the other side. They, they, they kind of gloss over this, but it is a little bit faster to stick it on the other side. And if you were actually to hold the bow with the arrow on the thumb side, but draw it in the traditional English way, what would happen is the arrow would have a tendency to pop off the uh, your hand. It, it's kind of complicated, but basically when you when you curl this, it depends on which way you curl the string. So the if you use your thumb, it opposes the action and it'll it'll lock the uh, the arrow in place. If you use the method that's later shown in this film, which is glossed over in this training sequence, um, your where your index finger can actually press on the arrow, it will again lock it in place. So these are like small subtleties that are probably not that important for the average viewer. Uh, that even Lars Anderson kind of glosses over sometimes himself. Uh, when he does it, and and to be honest with you, it's probably not that important because if you look at cultures around the world, they get around this in various ways. Mm -hmm. But still, it's like uh, these are small subtleties that um, that I think were talked about. I think in the making of the film, and I think thought about, but didn't translate 
really on, and onto the like the big screen. Yeah, that's interesting. I, like there was clearly a lot of thought put but into this because Lars Anderson was on set helping helping the actor shoot. He taught uh you know the guy that plays Robin Hood how to do all this stuff, but we don't really they do gloss over it in the film. Like we don't really get a full glimpse of everything that, you know, Taron Egerton had to go through to learn how to shoot like this. Yeah. And there's um let's see, there's a few sequences where it kind of shows it. The more arrows you can hold, the more arrows you can fire. Shut up. You don't make it. He's holding he's okay. holding three arrows now. Yeah, he's holding three. So you can see like in this picture you see how his in his left hand, his index finger is actually keeping one arrow in place. So normally, if like the the English draw, that index finger would be curled around the string. To but in this case, he is using that index finger pressed against the arrow to keep it in place so it does not fall off. So he could hold the bow upside down. And because he's putting pressure on the arrow, it will not pop off the, the thumb side of his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, his hand. So it's only demonstrated in a couple places. And I know he learned this method because you can watch some behind the scenes footage of him actually learning how to shoot this way. But it's not always shown on screen because I think for the most part, they probably were not using actual arrows in the bow. That would have been too dangerous. I'm sure they had to add the arrows in later. So, yeah. So previously, whenever I saw like these tactics in films of archers holding like multiple arrows at once and shooting them at the same time, I always thought it was just BS. But it's interesting to 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 to, to see him actually do it in a viable fashion. Yeah. So it's definitely possible. I mean, I I I I, I do it. I mean, it's it's not. If you look around, um, like like I said, in various cultures, I mean, there's lots of different ways of doing it. If you look at modern horse archers, you know, this it's a sport. Mm -hmm. where you'll ride around a ring and you you'll shoot bows uh on top of a galloping horse um they will often hold arrows in either their drawing the 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 hand of the the hand that's holding the bow or they'll hold them in the drawing hand just so they don't have to grab other ones because like if you put them in a quiver or something like that the horse is bouncing around and so the arrows might in fact fall out or you might not be able to get them so easily so it is a lot easier to hold them in in one of your hands um, so I tend to, to like to hold them in my drawing hand a little different than the way they do it. But uh, but it's definitely possible without a whole lot of, uh, I mean, it just takes some practice, I think, to to do it. This is um, this is at the very end of the movie. Mm. For its cause. For it has turned me towards my true calling. This Serving is a, a section where you can see. That's only one ending. With me standing over the corpse of the hood. Okay, so right here, do you see how he's holding his his hand? Yeah. See how his index finger is pressed along the uh, the arrow in that way. That's what I'm. That's sort of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you if you look up, this is called the Slavic draw. Um, I'm not really sure why. I guess you know the, there is. So many different ways of doing this, and maybe people from Eastern Europe use this method, but uh, it is not the one that probably uh, people in much of Europe or like Northern Europe and England probably would have used, but they could have certainly learned it yeah. had they traveled a bit. And it's, I think, conceivable that someone like Robin Hood, who had traveled before might have picked up something like this and you might have come up with something like this on your own just to figure out 
a, a different way of shooting. I mean, if you had taught yourself or you just messed around and decided you were going to come up with something different, you may in fact have come up with something like this. So anyway, that's the whole thing on on that. I just thought that was sort of a, a little uh, interesting, perhaps probably nerdy sort of thing for archery people. That's uh, awesome, though. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like th this is the most in-depth archery breakdown that Robin Hood 2018 has ever received. So, I think people have talked about it. Um, I think, you know, the hard thing is that a lot of folks in the archery community are very like they learn what they learn and then they yeah, yeah, that is yeah. that that's the way. And then they get a little bit uh, rigid when it comes to stuff like this. And so. I did notice that there are <laughs> folks on the archery subreddit who do a lot of comparison of, you know, the archery of different Robin Hood movies. And when this movie was coming out, they're like, oh, he's doing shooting, doing that Lars Anderson shit. <laughs> and they were talking yeah. about like in 2010, there was another archery uh, Robin Hood movie with Russell Crowe as Robin Hood. And I think he yeah. shows like traditional long bow in that in that one. And yeah, it would, it would, that would be a fun exercise. So just to watch every Robin Hood movie. Right. Uh, and just assess the archery in each one and see the evolution of archery going from like, I mean, the first Robin Hood movie, I think was in like 1908. It was like a, sh a silent short. Um, yeah. To like the, the Errol Flynn one in the 30s to, right. to Robin Hood 20, 2018. And yeah. And I mean, and, and we've talked about this before. Uh, and it would be fun to hear you reiterate it again. You, with your knowledge of archery, you're privy to whenever these actors don't do a good job in popular movies, like, you know, you talked about how Jeremy Renner is not a very good archer in any of the Hawkeye stuff. Yeah. I mean, you, well, you can kind of tell, I and mean, I think like, you know, to be fair to the actors, um, it's and, hard, it's hard, it's hard to the actors, but it's, it's, it's interesting to hear your insight on that. You know, I think when they're and the same with, uh, the arrow series, like when they're actually on set and holding the bow, I don't even know if they're, I, I I doubt they even have arrows that are actually. I doubt they even have arrows that are actually on the bows because you know if they let if they let it loose accidentally, there's a good chance it'll probably you know hurt somebody. I imagine they have to sort of act it. They have to basically act that there's something there, and it's it's easy to forget to do some of these things. One, if you're just if you're just pulling back this wooden thing, you know, it's like okay, just pull it back, let it go. I mean, that's fine. Uh, it, 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 I think even if you were an archer, I think it, it is hard if you don't have that feedback there to actually mm -hmm. make it real. Um, so, and even my, I would say my favorite Robin Hood movie of all, which is the uh, the cartoon, the Disney version, where he's yeah, the yeah. fox. He's um, the if fox, you look yeah. at the, if you if you just Google Robin Hood Disney, uh, you will see that on on the cover illustrations, what he's the way he's holding the bow uh, is. Uh, probably not how you would actually shoot it. It's 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 the it's it's actually gives credence to the Lars Anderson uh, kind of method in that he's he's holding the bow, uh, the arrows on the opposite side of where you would actually expect for a traditional English archer. Ah, well, there you go. Well, I mean, Robin Robin Hood learned how to shoot during the Crusades. That's that, that's the only way to explain oh, it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what we need is for Disney to make their Robin Hood prequel, which shows Robin Hood and Little John in the Crusades fighting like tigers or something. So actually, here's the um, the DVD of Robin Hood, and uh, you can actually see in this version the way his hand is held. The arrow is on the thumb side just like it is in this movie, but the way his hand is held, he would actually probably be holding a, using his thumb, not his actual fingers, mm. which is the Asiatic method, the way they do it in China, 
and the way it's uh, some parts of China, uh, the way it's done in uh, like Korea and Japan and places like that. And so a lot of times when people make the drawings, like like I think before you had sent me a picture on Twitter, it's like, is, yeah, is yeah, anything, yeah. what do you see here? A lot of times when people make the drawings for like fantasy art, they're not actually, they're going by just other pictures themselves. And so a lot of the times when the people draw the, uh, draw those pictures are not actual archers themselves. They're just, they're just drawing something that looks cool or they're, they're using, they're basing their work on someone else uh, who may in fact be in the same position. And so what you end up getting is a hand position that is probably not actually representative of reality. Yeah. I don't know if you remember in Princeton, in the art museum, there was a statue of Diana. Uh, do you remember that? The uh, Diana the no, Archer? No, no, I don't remember at all. Yeah. Um, well, so it was a statue that I think I put it on my, uh, maybe I talked about it on a former podcast or maybe on my site somewhere, but uh, it was a statue that I think was um, done. It's sort of like somewhat of an art, deco-ish art nouveau kind of style uh, i think it was in a train station i believe but anyway the way she's holding her hand in there is uh the the way the fingers are is probably not how people would have held their fingers it doesn't really necessarily make a whole lot of sense she might have been using sort of a thumb draw method so a lot of times when you when you actually look at the anatomy i guess you could say of how this actually works it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense and also, I don't know if you've seen the movie Prey. Did you see the movie with Prey, uh, with uh, the new I Predator? Still, I, I still got to watch Prey. Yeah, yeah so interesting. They have an interesting way of drawing the bow there. Uh, that is uh, also um, is also another way of doing it. Uh, it's probably not how Native Americans actually used it, uh, but they picked up on another method that is uh, can be used. Oh, man, that's cool. I, I wonder who the archery consultant was on that particular film. I'm not sure, but uh, often when people will first hold a bow and try to use it, like this is what my kids typically do. They'll typically take the end of the arrow and then they yeah, pinch it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they pinch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So and that's what often people will draw. They'll, yeah. they'll draw something like this. Artists will do it because that's the sort of intuitive way of doing it. Uh, and you can actually do it that way. It's just that the, the, the weight of the bow, the strength of the bow, you can actually pull back is fairly limited because it's just friction that's holding it there. So if you look at some Native American um, arrows, the end of the arrow, the little tail, the knock, the part that fits over the string is flared a little bit. So you can grab onto that part better like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they would typically use something like that or they would use their fingers uh, to also support the the string to help them uh, uh, support uh, more weight. But it just goes to show there's lots of different ways of doing it. Yeah, there's tons of different ways. Yeah, that's why, yeah ways. there needs to be more uh, more popular media that emphasizes archery, I feel. And it's it's a shame to kind of see a lot of this back behind the scenes stuff done for the film kind of go unrecognized by the general public. Yeah. So I'll include in the links to the uh, in the show notes here um, uh, a training sequence montage that shows the uh, shows Lars Anderson and uh, the the actor uh, Taron Egerton, I think is his name. Yeah, Taron Egerton. Training. Yeah. Um, because they actually did quite a bit of extensive training. 
I think that's really cool. I don't, unfortunately that doesn't, or there isn't, it would be nice if there were like a behind the scenes sort of documentary or maybe on the DVD of this, uh, there, there could be something like that. I don't know if there was, but it'd be nice to kind of see how they trained and because he learns to do some pretty complicated things. He learns to shoot things, moving targets in the air, which is pretty complicated and difficult to do. Um, he learns to shoot, you know, with, with, uh, quickly with multiple arrows in his hand and he also learns to shoot left and right-handed which is not a skill that uh, people traditionally learn like that's one of those things like you know people uh i don't like on horseback might have learned like you know uh uh, people like uh in the like the mongols might have learned you know to be able to shoot with both hands in case one is injured or whatever um but most people they 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 pull the bow back with their dominant hand because that's their stronger side and then they never waver from that. And yeah. once they learn one particular method, they never waver from it. So the other thing, I guess, too, is that, um, and this again goes, is sort of obvious, but everything at the time would have been done without sight. So if you look at a yep. modern bow, it often will have a sight, and a, a yep. manual sight that you have to adjust. And just like a sight on a rifle or something like that, it's set for a certain distance. And so if the sight gets knocked to the side or whatever, um, you have now lost your ability to calibrate where the arrow goes in that way. And so I remember one archery tournament I went to as a kid, um, my sight, I think it, my sight was adjusted for a certain range. I think it was 20 yards. Oh, I remember, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. I seem to remember this. Yeah. Yeah. It it was adjusted for 20 yards and the the competition was going to be at 20 yards. However, um, I was using a bow that had a arrow rest. So the, the arrow was not resting in my hand. Uh, it was resting on an artificial rest, um, a little piece of, in this case, plastic that was the arrow was resting on. And it broke, which meant that I had to, I, I couldn't use that method. I had to rest it um, on a shelf. Uh, the, there's like a little cutout on the bow where it was resting on, but I didn't have to ca- time to sight in the uh, the manual sight. I didn't have to have time to calibrate it because it broke as soon as the competition started. So my shots were all over the place. And so um, if that happens, uh, you then have to rely on what's called instinctive archery, which is all what people did throughout history before there were sights, which is basically just like throwing a ball. You know, you don't aim when you throw a ball, but somehow your brain is able to calculate, okay, hit it here, you know, release at this particular time. So when you're doing any kind of projectile kind of stuff that doesn't have a sight, whether it's throwing something or whatever, that's what you're using. And um, for the the modern kind of bow with sights and those kind of things like that is a relatively new kind of thing. But I think when people often associate archery uh, and think of it in terms of something you would see like in the Olympics or with hunting with a modern compound bow with a very complicated mm-hmm. Uh, apparatus they think of something like that where you're doing it at a fixed distance and uh, if you're not at that distance then you kind of it's kind of a hail mary so i was i I, it is kind of like a a mind shift that's that's uh often a part of our like the modern way of doing it i guess because there wouldn't have been any of these constraints you know way back when yeah Yeah, yeah, really not that long ago before the 20th century before the 20th century yeah i mean so, yeah, even at the beginning of the 20th century, they're probably still... No, there isn't. And yeah. if you look at old archery um, books, they're, they're, uh, they weren't really old when I was looking at them, I guess, but stuff from like the 50s or 60s, yeah, bows were pretty simple. And this would have made a, a sort of a lot more sense 
because people were more, you know, kind of willing to to kind of just play around with things. I think it was, it was a little less rigid. So the way I originally learned um, was the sort of Olympic style, where when you hold the bow, you you draw it and you draw it under your chin, um, and then you kind of it's it's much harder to sight uh, naturally with that method because the arrow is kind of far down. I don't even remember your bow having a sight. <laughs> it did have a sight, yeah, and I would spend hours fiddling with that thing because whenever it would get you put it in the case, it may in fact get knocked to the side or whatever, and just little little movements uh, on that. Pin. Yeah, it, it messed up the entire re calibration. Right, basically. right, and so okay. you know anybody who shoots uh, with a rifle um, where you have to adjust the sights or the scope or whatever will tell you that the first couple of shots you have to zero in the sights. I found that that particular way of doing things was just very uh, tedious. And I, uh, I eventually, it was one of the reasons why I left archery for a while, because I did not like all those machines. And I felt like, well, this is kind of takes a lot of the fun out of it. And you've gotten back into archery just by making your own bows, which are very simple and kind of doing away with, with a lot of the bells and whistles that annoyed you beforehand, right? Sure. Yeah, I got in. I got uh, well. Initially, so I wanted to uh, learn the the thumb draw method. I wanted to look at some of these other bows from other parts of the world, and uh, I got one. And this was back in two thousand and maybe thirteen or ten or something like that. I don't know. It's where I had kids, and I tried to shoot it in the way I learned, and so I found that my fingers would actually go numb after shooting it for an hour or two because. The bow was so compact that it would just pinch my fingers into a vice, basically. Mm -hmm. And so I would try getting stiffer and stiffer gloves and stuff like that. The bow was fairly heavy, but uh, still, it, I mean, it, and I could do it, but it was very uncomfortable to shoot. And it was very hard to, to shoot accurately until I actually learned the, thumb, the, the method that's used in Asia, the way it was actually designed to shoot. It was a Korean bow. And so it was really designed to shoot with a Korean draw method, which uses a little ring or a piece of uh, leather around your thumb to protect it. And mm. so until I learned that method and the the uh, some of the stuff that's kind of taught or shown in this movie, uh, it was kind of an unpleasant shooting experience. So it just kind of goes to show, I mean, not all things can be done in all ways. I mean, sometimes you need to use the native technology, I guess, to be able to do that best. And then from there, it kind of went on to, to making bows and then, you know, just experimenting on from there with different methods and things like that until at this point, I, I tend to use like more the traditional Chinese method. Um, and uh, embracing your roots. John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is come first, come, for, come full circle. And mom I actually found mom that be, mom would be proud if she knew anything about archery. Yeah, I've told her a little bit about it because I, yeah. sometimes I've talked to her as I'm, you know, fletching the arrows and stuff like that. Uh, but I've, I've just found it to be more enjoyable that way with less of the bells and whistles. You yeah. are probably less accurate, but yeah. it is uh, for for most people, I think it doesn't make that big of a difference. I'm not a hunter or anything like that. I think if you are a hunter, you can uh, you can make up with make up some of this stuff by uh, getting uh, by uh, uh, getting closer and stuff like that. I think what, the way a lot of people traditionally will do hunting now is they sit in a tree stand. And they yeah, sort of yeah. wait for stuff to come to them. And so they can kind of be a little bit more sure of the distance that they're shooting at. Um, and a modern bow will actually shoot fairly fairly flat. There's less of a an arc to the projectile because they are very fast. If you look at what people did around the world, 
they're not using they were not necessarily using bows they were super powerful but like the native american indians they would get very close they would get yeah, really they get stalking close, yeah. and they would get yeah. very close like within a couple of feet um if you look at some of the paintings too of uh uh like the plains indians shooting buffalo um they're like getting literally very close they're like leaning uh they're on the on the horses they're riding and they're shooting very close to the buffalo and they're sort of relying on the fact that at close range it's going to be really hard to miss and also multiple people are shooting the same animal so it worked for them and so i don't know i think we can get very like sort of stuck in our ways and a little bit a little bit uh uh i don't know what the right word is you know uh kind of like well my way is the only way kind of I mean, uh, as as with most things yeah, yeah it's it's you can get very um fanatical about the, the the way that you were accustomed to or the way that you first learned how to do it and yeah i i think that's a great great feature of this film that they managed to highlight another an alternate form of shooting and even even one that's a bit contentious and that uh, the lead actor was able to actually learn it i think that's great yeah yeah, I think also I think to hats off to them. I think for 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 trying to maybe push the envelope too in some of the the visuals that they went for, uh, because you know I think the one of the criticisms that of the film is like, well, it doesn't look like a Robin Hood movie, but obviously no, well, we don't even know if Robin Hood was a real person, right? And it's yeah, like, Ro- Robin Hood was know, <laughs> Robin was, was most likely Robin Hood was most likely not a real guy, and if he was a real guy, he was not exactly like how he is in the ballads because it's originally like a collection of poems and ballads about robin hood he might have been a couple of guys there's some evidence that suggests that he it was like a code name used amongst a bunch of different outlaws so yeah in in that case you know there have been many robin hoods and there's a bajillion robin hood movies like there's there's all there already is a robin hood cinematic universe and all the many remakes of robin hood like sean connery has played robin hood it's true that's true yeah there's there's you know he can be a fox he can be sean connery he can be you know, a dude in semi-contemporary um, England. You know, it is it, it it is what it is. Right, right, yeah. Well, i I think uh, I think that's probably a pretty good 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 fine sentiments to end on. Actually, one one last thing before I forget the the guy that plays the sheriff, Ben uh, <laughs> Mendelson, the yes. sheriff of Nottingham. He looks just like the actor that plays the principal in the Breakfast Club. Don't you think? Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who that. I don't know the name of that that actor off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. I think the, the, the Paul Gleason. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Gleason. Um, he looks just like Paul Gleason. You can, and, yeah. uh, and and I've it's I've seen pictures of them. I've seen pictures of them side by side. It's incredible. And he does a pretty good job in this film. But he's also in the Ready Player One movie. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. Is he? The movie. It's... Yeah, he plays the like the corrupt business dude in the Ready oh, okay. Player All One right. movie. I was gonna and say feel, like you know he does. And I feel like he was cast because he looks just like Paul Gleason in the Breakfast Club. And I always get them confused. There's, they're like those. Every now and then, there's a pair of actors that are just so alike that wow this guy could easily continue on this former actor's legacy after they deceased and paul mendelson is like the new paul Glee- or, no uh, what's his name um not paul mendelson uh da, 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 da. ben mendelson is the yeah. new paul gleason in yes. my opinion. yeah yeah absolutely good, good at playing these like douchebaggy type characters too yeah yeah, I, 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 uh, I thought he, he did. I, I mean, I think all, I think everybody did well in their role. I think, I think they were all 
they were all um the, the the what they were given to work with i think was sometimes uh lacking in terms of the dialogue and characterization they, but i they thought did, they, they did what they could with you what know, they, they were given they, yeah exactly they they did the best they could i think yeah so i i i personally uh i don't know i personally would have liked to to see a little bit more uh a little bit more of robin hood had it had it been toned down a little bit in terms of the uh i don't know the popcorn movie flavor of it but um uh i don't i don't i will probably won't see more of that but uh still i think it was it was a a, a good effort yeah i'd say six out of ten good airplane yeah. flick um the the intricacies behind the film in terms of archery and i don't know if there's any documentary online or like behind the scenes dvd feature about the set design and the costume design like that is probably more interesting to me like uh, a book about like the art or the design of robin hood 2018 would be worth leafing through i think yeah i think just in just in the beginning the the intro and the outro that shows it's almost like a a comic book sort of storyboard type of uh type of way of presenting it it's like uh was i thought very unique it set the tone right right away that this was going to be sort of a modern retelling so yeah yeah which is i think to be fair so yeah uh let's see what should what should we do next so i uh i have a couple proposals for yeah you should pick this one for crappy movies that we could <laughs> do next time um they're yeah. not 80s movies but they kind of pick up yeah the um same style as this robin hood film yeah so there's a couple options here there is um the musketeer which i mentioned last time yeah. Yeah. which is a i think it's like a 2001 film about d'artagnan the musketeer and it was directed by a hong kong or no the action scenes were directed by like a hong kong action choreographer um uh Tsui hark yeah so he 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 did the stunts and so it's got a lot of kind of hong kong action scenes but i think the actual movie is pretty ass like pretty pretty ass okay uh, but then again it might surprisingly be tolerable like we thought yeah. this one was gonna be yeah. pretty ass and it was tolerable so it's called the musketeer 2001 um he's got it's got him like fighting dudes with a rapier and flipping off tables and like doing splits on barrels and stuff so that, that that's 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 an option um, the other option is a movie that I've kind of been thinking about recently. Every every now and then, every couple of years, I start thinking about this movie and want to watch it again. Is 1999's Wild Wild West, starring oh Will boy. Smith. Starring oh Will Smith. Um, I I don't know why I've been thinking about this movie. Last time I watched it was in college. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Have you seen it recently at all? Not or... recently. I remember watching it when we were kids, and I was like, "Oh, yes." So we were big fans of the Wild Wild West TV show as kids. It's nice, ninety nine one stars Will Smith and Kevin Klein. It makes it kind of like a steampunk Wild Wild West thing. Yeah, I think it's less bad than a lot of people remember. Honestly, okay. Um, because I, you know, I watched it. Well, I watched it quite a long time ago. At this point, it's like two thousand ten. Yeah, but it's it's got it's got some interesting bits to it. Yeah, but it's also not a good movie. And the last one, the last movie I I would like to uh, suggest is a movie called Priest that came out in 2011. Have you seen this? No. It is a movie called Priest that uh, is based on a Korean comic, and stars Paul Bettany as this vampire killing priest in like futuristic 
like futuristic whatever it's got it's got him and it's got maggie q playing as like a group of vampire killing priests that work for a church and it's 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 just as ridiculous as it sounds it's got like fights in the desert against vampires maggie q has like a chain whip and stuff like that i watched it on a plane when it came out in like 2011 great plane movie um i think it probably is much in the same class as um this uh robin hood film well wow. wow i'm looking at a picture of it right now i've never heard of this yes um, the the comic that it's based on if you look at priest uh it's a korean comic so it's not a manga it's a manhwa m-a-n-h-w-a it looks pretty cool um but I, it's uh it, it's yeah it, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> wow I think we should do that one. That's yeah, that's okay, so okay, zany yeah. and so weird and looks. Yeah, you never seen that one. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty badass movie. It's got like uh, steampunk motorcycles and, the, and and stuff like that. He's, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I gotta show he's, you. This uh, I'm watching the trailer. He's like show. He's like throwing like crosses that are like shuriken at this. Yeah, he's like... got like sh- he's got like shuriken crosses. <laughs> um, honestly, you know, it, it's it's a good movie as long as you know what to expect. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do that one. Okay, yeah. Priest. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is like a yeah, there's a dude, there's a dude. Uh, it's been so long since I've seen this. The vampires are pretty cool too. They they do they're not like your traditional um vampires that we're used to seeing in popular culture. They have this yeah. like feral form where they have no eyes and they've got fangs and stuff like that. It's, right. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a stupid movie, but I, I think it's I think it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> That sounds good. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. Where can folks go to find you, Jeremy? Uh, folks can go find me uh, at uh, uh, Pixel Grotto on Twitter, uh, or X, formerly known as Twitter, on uh, Blue Sky, uh, at pixelgrotto.tumblr.com, which is my blog, uh, pixelgrotto.card.co, which is my portfolio site. Um, Josh usually drops in a bunch of show notes, so you can find all my links there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so that'll be in the show notes. So uh, you can find more episodes with Jeremy on them over at the website, 13thhr.wordpress.com. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for Jeremy for joining me yet again for another uh, another fantasy movie. It's always a pleasure. We will see you next time. See you next time. Hey, a couple last minute things before you go. Thanks for listening to this show. If you liked it, you can find many more on the website 13thhr.wordpress.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. You can often find behind the scenes information about this show and other things that I do on social media, such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll see links to those in the show notes. Sometimes people will ask me, how can I help contribute to the show or other things that that I do? And probably one of the easiest ways is by going over to Facebook and looking up the Facebook group called 13th Hour Arts. And it's a place for not only to discuss these kinds of things, but also for you to share your own creative process and the things that you're doing that bring meaning to your life. You can also do things that are entirely free, such as leaving a review for a book, music, this particular podcast, share it with friends, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, email me, W-R-I-T-E-J-O-S-H-U-A-B-L-U-M at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions and comments. You can also leave a one-time donation over at Coffee, and that's K-O-F-I slash 
13THHR. It's basically like a virtual tip jar, kind of like the sort of thing like a piano player might have at a bar or something like that. For a small amount, you can also leave a donation on a monthly basis at Patreon, and that helps bring new things to this particular show and to support future projects. And that's at 13th Hour Arts. It's also a place for patrons to share their own creative process and the things that bring inspiration and meaning to them. I hope by sharing a little bit of the creative process in this particular show, it gets people to cultivate that aspect of their own life and to remember that those things are important, even if you are an adult and you may not have time for it. Hopefully by paying attention to those aspects of your own life, you remember your own dreams and aspirations and help create a world and make a world that you want to be in. And at the end of the day, that's sort of what the 13th hour is about. So thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you.